Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I I know that uh, just about everybody is back to school now. There will be some Mississippi State students, I think, that go back uh, next week. I think that's right. I think it's next week. But either way, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that all the public schools and all of the private schools in Mississippi are now in session. So, welcome back to school. Uh, we had uh, another move-in weekend here in Starkville over the weekend. And if you ever forget when that is, if you ever forget, you lose track of your calendar and say, hey, when will the students be back? They will let you know when you go to Walmart. Because there will be no ramen noodles There'll be no bottled water. There'll be no Milwaukee's best. Not that I buy any of those items, but I see that they are uh, they are readily stocked and available in the days leading up to move-in weekend, and then they are gone on Sunday. So just part of the deal. But uh, happy to be back with you guys. Happy that everybody's back in school. One of the things that I'll share with you, I have grown really spoiled, and this will sound like first-world problems, and I'll apologize ahead of time. But I have had teenage driving age daughters for the past few years. So I have not had to get up and bring anybody to school. Well, now that I have just one child at home who is not of driving age, I am the one that has to get up and bring him to school. And I, I will tell you, I, have, I now despise, after one week, I despise having to get up due to alarm clock I, I i had forgotten how bad that that stinks so learning to uh to live life a different way again for a couple more years i might even petition the state legislature to lower the driving age all that said welcome back 
everybody. I'd like to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. The whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. Campus Bookmart is an institution here in Starkville. Many of you bought your textbooks there when you were students here at Mississippi State. Now it's time to outfit your family, your office, your home, your RV, your pet, whatever you got. With the latest in maroon and white novelty items and merchandise, you can find their fine selections at the location when you come to town, or you can visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little money. You can use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Again, that is Beautiful Steve Robertson. And get free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. I don't know if you guys have heard, that, uh, but you, know, you probably should have. It was announced yesterday that next year the San Francisco Giants will retire Will Clark's number, number 22. No Giant will ever wear number 22 again. What a tremendous honor for one of the Mississippi State greats to have his number retired by his professional franchise. That, that, is, that is incredibly high cotton there. And uh, there's a lot of discussion that Will one day might could be the manager of the San Francisco Giants. How cool would that be? You know, Buck Showalter had you know, an extensive career as a uh, Major League Baseball player and as a manager. Uh, and so it'd be interesting to see Will get that. But what, what a great distinction. Uh, for Will, that's one thing about that '85 team. I mean, you know, you go and you go and look, and you know, Palmero had some huge numbers, uh, Clark had big numbers, and uh, Bobby Thigpen set a major league rec- baseball record for saves in a season at the time. Jeff Brantley, of course, uh, still the uh, the voice of the of the Reds, and uh, you know, Jeff with a, with a long career in the major leagues as well. I mean, those guys, you know, we, we've made a nice contribution to major league baseball, and really still continuing to make that uh, that contribution. And, uh, you know, Nathaniel Lowe, uh, still up and down, still aggravates me to no end. I wish they'd just go ahead and trade him. I know people say he's the best prospect in their in their farm system, and that, that may or may not be true. But, um, yeah, I, that's one thing about, you know, I, I know it's a business, but um, I don't fully understand, you know, how guys manipulate their own players. It's like, okay, this guy's helping us, but if he hits certain benchmarks, that will trigger some bonuses and so we've got to send him down from an economic standpoint. And I, again, I understand it's a business, but how does that curry good favor with the player the next time you get ready to sit down and have a, uh, you know, a discussion about a contract extension? You know, when when you go out of your way to to basically prevent your players uh, from from achieving a bonus, it, it, it it's reminiscent of the uh, of the uh, the Eight Men Out movie, if you recall that. It's a great story. I believe it was the 1919 Chicago White Sox that, that threw the World Series, and uh, I think it was Eddie C.K. Anyway, but anyway, they had a pitcher that uh, came up one game short of uh, getting the bonus, and Mr. Comiskey wouldn't give it to him, despite the fact that he led the league and wins. That's kind of what it reminds me of. It's like these these fat cat owners are sitting back and they set these carrots out for these players, and then as they start to get close, they, they put some hurdles in their way to prevent them from getting it, and I don't think that's in good faith. But all that being said, uh, Mississippi State still doing a great job producing college baseball prospects that then turn into Major League Baseball prospects. You guys are where we had uh, tied a school record with draftees, but uh, Elijah McNamee, Signed with uh, the Evansville Otters out in one of the independent leagues and uh, had his first professional home run over the weekend. Had a, a homer, a triple, and a single in a ball game. Big Mac, uh, a double short of the cycle. And so I really believe, and it might take a year, it might take two, but I believe that uh, you're going to see somebody pick up a Lodge McNamee. I think he will prove himself worthy of that. But enough talk about baseball. We had um, Mississippi State on-campus media day on Saturday. And so, you know, for those of us that are on the beat, you know, we have availability a couple times each week. Like late, like later today, we will have offensive players, and then we'll have defensive players. We'll have Jim Moorhead, and we'll discuss the scrimmage and things of that nature. But uh, on Saturday, you had a lot more of the statewide media show up on campus. You know, our little uh, our little crew up here, they're here for everything. You know, we're here for all the availabilities, but Saturday was a bigger event. And so as a result, you have a lot more assistant coaches that are made available. Uh, Jim Moorhead speaks, and 
and uh, Coach Bob Shoup spoke and Joey Jones and uh, Tony Hughes spoke. And so there's a lot of that that happens. And then there's, I think, 26 players. And so all the TV stations from, uh, you know, within a reasonable driving distance, they all turn up. And there's a lot more media people on campus that are doing special things. Because it is, you know, now we're kind of getting close to the kickoff of college football season. And so people are coming in, getting information, getting interviews for players that are that are on the Mississippi State roster, perhaps they're from uh, their viewing area. And so it was it was a, a long day for the players. They meet uh, Saturday morning, had the team picture made. And I was told by a couple of Mississippi State staffers that usually that is like herding cats. You know, there's always, you know, there's always some issues with that. But I said this year it went incredibly smooth, incredibly smooth. And, and you would think it's weird that we're even talking about that. But uh, and maybe it just says a little bit about the maturity of our team. You know, guys were there. They handled their business and they were done. And then, so they get done with all that. Then they've got to come back and, and do the media day stuff. And that becomes, you know, that, that in itself is kind of an elongated process in and of itself. Because it all starts with Joe Moorhead. And you never know how long that's going to go. You can put a calendar together and you can put a schedule together. But these press conferences, you never know from one to the next how long things are going to take. I mean, there are some coaches that will show up there and they're, there just aren't a lot of questions about their personnel grouping and other questions. I mean, you know, listen, you know, we wanted to talk to Jim Moorhead about the quarterback competition. And for, for those of us that are around regularly, we, we get a chance to ask that question every single time. But, you know, these other people show up and, and it's fresh for them. And so Joe speaks for a while. Not a lot of new information during Joe's program. And, and you listen, you can go watch all these videos on jeanspage.com. We have them up there for you. Uh, but, you know, Joe did give an update. And the update on Kareem Walker is there is no update. Continue to hear that he's still got some coursework to do. Uh, he said that he was done with the coursework. He wasn't done with the coursework. And uh, so now he's just supposed to be finishing up. And, again, he has to drop ad date, and that's still a couple weeks away. But you begin to ask yourself, he's already missed, you know, what, six, seven practices. You know, what's the realistic chance of him showing up this year? late to fall camp and being able to make a contribution this year. That, that's one of the things you can look at and you begin to ask yourself, well, what happens? Well, he's already used a redshirt year. And so if he does qualify and come in, he's, he's probably middle of the year before he kind of figures things out. And so that is going to lessen his effectiveness. And so all of this delay, it's one of the things you look at now and you begin to say, okay, we kind of understood when you couldn't make it for the first session of summer school. And then, then, we, then it was reported right away, you know, Kareem said, hey, it's going to be middle of July before I'm done. Well, then that removes him from the possibility of being here for the second session of summer school. But he says, I'll definitely be there by the end of July and in time for fall camp. And now here we are. You know, we reported for fall camp August 1st. Camp started August 2nd. It is now August 12th. And so that's 11 days after reporting day, and, and he is, his file has still not been forwarded to the, uh, the NCAA clearinghouse for final approval. And so that in and of itself becomes an issue. And there's a bigger issue here, too. It's one of those things, too, and, and again, I'm not going to continue to you know, to be critical of, of, the, of a young man here, but when you have an opportunity to reboot your college career and there are steps that you've got to take, you got to do what you got to do. And, and, and that's kind of how life is. You know, there, there are requirements that are, that are in place that if you want to enroll at a Power 5 or a Division One college football program, there are certain criteria you have to meet. And this is not like this was a moving target where somebody you know, moved the goalpost on him as, as he got close to the end zone. He knew what needed to be done, and now here we are now on August the 12th, and, and he's still not here. And so you begin to ask yourself, even if he does clear, and even if he does know the playbook and he's coming, he's ready to go, I don't know that he's done enough right now that you say, okay, we can really count on him. I, I think he... In the event that he comes in and works hard, you know, he might be a guy that can play some in mop-up time. But I just I don't see at this point how he makes a contribution this year. And, of course, we signed him as a depth guy. But I think he has lessened the possibility of being effective in that in that role because of the fact that we've got a delayed enrollment. And certainly, if, if you know, listen, if, if he didn't show up for two more weeks, we're going to be in game prep. We're going to be in the middle of getting things ready to go to UL Lafayette. He won't, he'll have to go through the acclimation period and, you know, listen – it's just one of those things now you begin to look at it and say, okay, where do we go from here? 
speaking of that stuff, there was also no update on Alan Love. Uh, Alan Love is here. He was here for the first session and second session summer school. He's where he looks good in practice, man. Look, looks like an SEC player. Uh, and again, the issue with him, and I said this on Bo Bounce earlier today, is ideally when you have a medical hardship situation, they would like you to move within a 100-mile radius of your hometown or where your relative is, your ill, sick relative is. And so now in his situation, I'm pretty confident UAB would have taken him. You feel confident Samford would have taken him. Uh, but that begins to, to kind of factor in, too. It's like, you know, if he has the opportunity to play in a Southeastern Conference and Alabama and Auburn don't provide him that opportunity, should he have to play with a G5 or a 1AA school just to fit the parameters of the NCAA legislation? And that's where I think this uh, complex case unit where uh, Tom Morris is not going to be a part of that, that's where I think these folks come in. Because, you know, should a guy have to pass on an SEC opportunity – just because the school's closest to his residence, his home base, don't offer him that opportunity, and that, that that's a that's a great question. So maybe and maybe the right thing is for him to sit. Maybe that is the right thing. Maybe that's the right call. Maybe you don't want to set that precedent. But all that being said, as of Saturday, we have not heard one way or another if he is going to be eligible to play for Mississippi State this year. And I'll tell you, after watching the guys in practice. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm optimistic, but I'm beginning to feel a little bit better about our athleticism and about our ability to get in there and practice and work hard and make plays. I was a little bit concerned about a lack of experience, and I'm still concerned about that. But I, but I will say, based on what we have seen in practice, and we only get about you know 20 minutes every day, this is a group that is very athletic. This is a group that is working hard. They are putting in the effort to be a good unit on the defensive interior. That's an important part of things. Another update I'll share with you, Cordis Waitman. No update there. And and uh, I really, really, really am uh, will be surprised if he is ruled eligible to play. And, and I even asked Joey Jones about that. You know, listen, you know, it, clearly he saw an opportunity to upgrade the talent level within his room. And obviously he had a relationship with Cordless Waitman. And, and I'm sure they thought, you know what, this is not going to be a problem to get this waiver granted. Well, it has been. And so now he is, you know, he's not here. He's, uh, he, he's not in, in class. He's not uh, participating in workouts. He is not a part of the Mississippi State football program. Now, you could argue that, you know what, somebody dropped a ball here. Uh, and, and that's probably a fair assessment. You know, but they probably felt like they probably had some confidence level that he would be awarded that six-year uh, you know, medical year. And I, I, I probably will say that I agree with the ruling on its face because if we're going to be a grad transfer deal, to, to me, I don't think having the grad transfer in conjunction with the medical year is really in the spirit of good competition. And, and maybe that's just me. It's one of the things that, hey, listen, this guy, you know, you know like Mondre Hill back in the mid-90s, you know, he he had major injuries and he stayed at his school. Uh, you know, I just, maybe I'm wrong, but I just think I kind of understand it a little bit. And also, too, he did play in the three games. It's not like he, you know, he just had the one game. He played in three games. But, uh, but he was injured a long time. And so I just, it's one of those situations where I almost feel like, okay, we, we tied up a scholarship with this kid. And we didn't have a lot of assurances that he was going to be eligible to play this year. And in hindsight, you look back and say, you know, how could we have been so foolish? But somebody somewhere probably said, you know what, this this should be okay. We, we've got a realistic chance of doing this. And then this hasn't worked out for us. And you can tell when Joe Moorhead just talks about it, you can tell Joey's not happy about it. And I can't tell if he's unhappy with the NCAA, that's unhappy with the situation, or unhappy with the fact that, that perhaps we didn't do our due diligence which is would be amazing when you, if you and that's one of the things too that I'll share with you guys to be around Joe when it comes to really anything he is incredibly detail oriented he is a guy that just he doesn't leave a lot for chance and so something like this tells me that somebody somewhere gave some assurances to Joe this is going to be okay because I can't believe that Joe would 
would roll the dice in this hard 25 deal where if you spend a scholarship on an unqualifier, he still counts towards your annual limit of your initial grants. I just can't imagine Joe would do that. This doesn't make any sense to me. But be that as it may, that's where we are. So we kind of move forward now. Uh, as, and we're getting into our you know, second full week of camp. And uh, Cody Schecksneider and Tucker Day will be competing, uh, yeah, along with a couple other guys. But uh, you know, Tucker Day kind of wrestled control of that job and really had a good game against Ole Miss and then had his best game of the year in the Outback Bowl. Averaged 50 yards a punt, had a long of 70. And so maybe, maybe he's had the experiences. Maybe he's ready to go. Uh, but either way, you know, we're going to go play football with or without Corliss Waitman. And, uh, you know, we need Tucker Day to be a guy that can flip the field for us. We really do. And Cody Schecksteiner has been a guy that's been here forever. And I remember when he, uh, you know, announced that he was going to attend Mississippi State, I heard from Rod Walker. You guys are familiar with Rod. Long time you know, perhaps reporter for the Clarion Ledger before he joined uh, the staff there at the Times Picayune, and Rod called me and said, "Hey, Steve, this kid has a, a he has an NFL leg. He has a pro leg. As good a kicker as he'd seen." And no, we haven't necessarily seen that. Now, Cody's been you know a tremendous ambassador for Mississippi State. He's involved in a lot of our leadership stuff, but uh, you know he has not proven to be as prolific a kicker, I think, as we were expecting him to be. Uh, that being said, he has been a guy that has been very competitive at times, and I think he makes the team better. I think he is one of those guys, too, that has had a great experience here at Mississippi State, been a great locker room guy. I think he's helped push Tucker Day. And I've never, ever seen Cody Schecksnyder when he didn't have a smile on his face. And so I think he's one of those guys, too. You want him to be a part of your program, and if he can make a contribution on the field, then that's even better. But he's not a scholarship guy. You know, he's a guy that's a walk-on uh, that it's proven to be a leader on the team. And so you're kind of getting value from him without a lot of investment on behalf of the program. And so uh, I expect Tucker Day to win that job. And, uh, and that's one of the things, too, I guess, if I'm Tucker Day, I'm probably a little bit challenged and probably maybe even a little bit angry that, uh, you know, I won the job last year and down the stretch I kicked as well as I ever have in my college career and they bring in somebody else to take my job. Uh, I don't know about you, but I would be really committed behind all that. I know there's some people, it's almost like the work world, you know, when, when they bring you in and then they, uh, they sent you down for the counseling meeting, you know, and I've been on both ends of that. But, you, you know, as, as a manager, you bring somebody in and say, okay, listen, I want to review your performance with you, and here's where we are, and here's where you're doing well, and here's where you're not doing well. Well, some people are threatened by that. Some people say, well, I need to go find another job. But Cody Schecksteiner wasn't one of those guys. Tucker Day wasn't one of those guys. They said, you know what, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to hang in here and figure this thing out. And so, again, some people are threatened by that. Other people are challenged by that. And so Tucker Day should be challenged by that, that his coaches felt like, you know what, we need to bring in some more. We need to bring another leg in here. We didn't do enough last year in the punting game, which is true, that we can feel like, you know what, we're good with the status quo. So my hope is that we see a more polished Tucker Day this year. He's always had the potential. He has a huge leg. He really does. And, and you saw that in the Outback Bowl, an, an outstanding game. So hopefully that will carry over. Speaking of carrying over, I tell you, we've, uh, we've had a great, a great run with our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, so many great items to choose from there. So many healthy options and not so healthy options. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, if you want to have a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and you should, you can get a hamburger anywhere. You can't get a great one anywhere, but you can get the best one in Mississippi, right here in Starkville, Mississippi, at Bulldog Burger Company. You can have it on a gluten-free bun. You can have it on no bun. You can have it on a wheat bun. You've got a lot of options there. But some days you just want to sit down across from a great American-made hamburger and knock that bad boy out. I told you I'm kind of riding the Lauren wave right now. That nice steak bait and sharp, sharp cheddar cheese. It's outstanding. You can get it with onion straws or without. Go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company is uh, the place where the cool kids go to break bread. And I'll tell you, we were by there Saturday, and uh, it was a tremendous crowd there. I mean tremendous. People are outside. Some people even waiting outside. It's moving weekend, and everybody wanted to go be one of the cool kids, so they went to Bulldog Burger Company. And uh, a lot of people have, have messaged me 
people moving their kids to campus for the first time said, hey, Steve, it's been a while since we've had time to be on campus outside of a ball game weekend. It's our first time to go to Bulldog Burger Company. We're absolutely blown away. We absolutely love the place, and you will too. Go by, enjoy yourself, have the spring rolls, tell them that Steve Robertson sent you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into what we learned over the weekend. Coach Bob Shoup spent a lot of time with us. Really, really a big fan of Coach Bob Shoup. Bob Shoup is a, is a fan of sports and sports media. He is well-versed in everything. He can talk hockey with you. He can talk baseball, talk a little NBA with you. He'll talk pro football with you. He just keeps up with everything. One of the questions that I asked uh, Coach Shoup is, you know, Coach, last year you had the ability to generate a lot of push and pass rush without your blitz package. Now, we blitz a lot on first down because uh, he is an, an attacking style coach, but there were times we didn't have to send it. We could drop everybody back in coverage, and because of the fact we had Jeff Simmons and Montez Sweat and those guys up there wrecking shop, that uh, you could generate some push without having to compromise your coverage. Well, considering that we're going to be a little bit stronger on the back seven this year, does that change the way we play defense? And he says, you know, it doesn't change our philosophy. It might change some of our blitz package because it might change the people we send and the blitzes that we utilize. But we're going to still have the same philosophy on defense. I think that's that's a big, and maybe it's the biggest statement of the, of the fall, is that we're still going to play Mississippi State defense. We're still going to get after you. We, we might have to... Uh, to move some people around. We may have to come from different angles. We may have to be a little more exotic. But we're not going to let you sit back there and survey the field and we're going to play bend but don't break defense. We're going to be in your face. We're going to come get you. And that's really what I wanted to hear from Coach Hoop. And uh, he, you know, he continues to kind of rave about his safety group. He believes that Brian Cole is going to be a guy that people all over the Southeastern Conference are going to know about middle of the year. And I agree with him. You know, we were just beginning to kind of see what he could do last year when he got injured. And uh, then you put Jaquarius Landry's in the game, and then Jaquarius becomes a star. If you, I don't know that Mississippi State wins that game against Texas A&M without Jaquarius Landry's. He absolutely gave Kellen Mond nightmares. He was everywhere. He was batting balls down. He's making sacks. He's, he was in his face. Every time on third down, you know as well as I do, Kellen Mond had to look and find Jaquarius Landry's. And again, I don't know that if we win the ball game without him. And then all of a sudden people were like, holy smokes, you know, who is this kid? Where did he come from? And people forget that he was a kid out of Macomb High School that was essentially unrecruited, went to Colin, signed with Mississippi State, redshirted, and then last year played kind of sparingly. And I, I don't know if you know this, but Jaquarius Landros last year was the second fastest Bulldog on the team. Chris Rayford was the only Bulldog that was faster in the 40 than Jaquarius Landros. And so now you have Brian Cole, who is a superstar. Just wait wait for that. Just wait. You'll see. Brian Cole is an NFL prospect. Jaquarius Landros is an NFL prospect. Doesn't have the same size as Brian Cole. Doesn't have the same length as Brian Cole. But he has the same tenacity and ferocity as Brian Cole. And then you've got C.J. Morgan, who uh, you know, kind of proved last year that he's capable of handling things. You know, and and that's one thing too that I, that we learned from Coach Hoop is that John Abram was a big part of that last year because you recall after Cole went down, Landrews came in. After Landrews went down, Abram moved to nickel, and we had C.J. Morgan play free. Well, John Abram was part of that conversation to get Morgan in the ball game, and he kind of committed to shoot. Hey, I'll get him ready, Coach. I'll take care of him. And he did. And so now you're going to have all three of those guys back in the secondary. And that's one of the things Shoup feels really good about his guys. And this is a guy that has coached all over the country. This is a guy that's coached against some of the best talent in all of college football. And if he tells you that he's fired up about his safeties, and he has said that he thinks Mississippi State might be better in the secondary this year than we were last year. Now, this, again... You know, this is not a talking head saying this. This is not a member of the Mississippi State Homer media that some people will often say that we're all part of. This is the guy that knows what he's talking about, and he's saying, you know what, we're going to be good in the secondary. 
we're going to be good in the secondary. And then there are other people who look at that and say, well, how can they be better without Jonathan Abram? Well, I take one of the reasons we can be better is I believe we're going to be more athletic all the way across the board. You know, Jamal Peters was a bit of a freak of an athlete and with his length. He was really a safety. And you could even argue possibly a weak side linebacker playing corner. Maurice Smithman doesn't have that same size, but I think Mo is a little more quick twitch. And I think that he is a guy, because of the fact that he brings a brand of physicality that most people his size don't. And then you have Cam Dancer, one of the top corners in the country, who has a catch radius that is just freakishly unreal. And Mark McLaurin was a guy that we all loved, always had a nose for the football, but Mark was not the fleetest of foot. And so I believe you've upgraded everywhere except for the Jonathan Abram position. Cam Dantzler is better. I think Smitherman is better suited for corner than Jamal Peters, and that's not me throwing shade at Jamal. I think Jamal was a heck of a football player at Mississippi State, but I don't think that he was a true corner. And I, I, think, I think we played him out of position. I think Smitherman is just simply better suited for the position. And then you have Brian Cole and Jaquarius Landers out there. So by and large, you're going to be faster in the secondary. And I don't know if you, if you guys uh, are aware of this. I'm sure most of you are because you're astute observers of college football. Uh, everybody's running the spread now. Everybody's trying to spread you out, make you defend the width of the field and the length of the field. It's not like it was even 10 years ago. You better have speed on the field, and you better have linebackers that can run, and you better have guys in the secondary that can cover up mistakes for you because there are going to be people out there that are going to put you in, in on an island in coverage, and they're going to put you in one-on-one matchups, and you better be able to match them athletically. And I don't know, even last year, as great as we were, I feel like in the secondary there were times we didn't match up as well. I thought some people, well, we couldn't run with some people. I think this year it's different. I think we're going to be able to run. When you think about our linebacker group, you know, and again, that's supposed to be the strength of the team, and even the defensive coordinator, Sheep, comes out and says, hey, we're, you know, we're going to be a lot more linebacker friendly. We're going to play to our strengths. You got Errol Thompson, one of the nation's most productive linebackers. It's a guy that's always around the football. He's a guy. His play recognition is really one of those things you look at and say, okay, there, that's something you really can't teach. You can do a lot of film study, and you can pick up tendencies, and you can rep it to death. But some of it is just a natural ability to recognize what is about to occur, and that's what Errol has. Errol is just one of those guys that sees the field well, and he can get out there and set an edge. And uh, excited about his season, but then when you begin to think about that the light appears to be coming on for Leo Lewis, you know, and everybody you talk to talks about how well fall camp he's having, that his teammates will tell you that, hey, you know what, Leo is really playing well. His coaches will tell you Leo's playing well. And then you go out and practice, and you see – and, and, and here's the thing about Leo. I don't know that he's always been a great practice player. I think that's one of those things you kind of learn. I, th- I think it's, you know, and Dan Moen used to say, you show up here and you, and you think you're going hard and you're not going hard. We, we kind of have to teach you what going hard is. And I think Leo figured that out later in his career. And I think it's one of those things, too, with Willie Gay kind of coming on. And Willie might be a better athlete than Leo. I know he's got better foot speed. But I think that competition has made Leo better. And so when you begin to think about the fact that Willie Gay might be the most athletic linebacker on your team, and he's running second team now. And then Tim Washington is a guy that I think people were ready to give up on a couple of years ago, and, and here he is. Uh, we got more than our scholarship money investment out of him last year. And so Shoup talks about those guys and talks about how, you know, Thompson's kind of a, another coach on the field and how excited he is about the group. And everybody feels good about the ends. But, uh, you know, he, well, again, will tell you, we've got talent at defensive tackle. One of the things, too, is, and it's one thing that I remind myself of, too, you know, Bob Shoup didn't conduct a poll of the media or the fan base last year to figure out how we should go play defense. Yeah, you had some pieces there, but you had some guys, too. And you think about this, you know, Bob Shoup got more out of Montez Sweat than Todd Grantham did. Now, somebody that's got to do with having another year under his belt, to be fair. But Bob Shoup put those guys last year in a position to be successful. He will do the same thing this year. And he may not have the same pieces to work with on the front, but he can schematically 
put some things together to work around what he has. I got a lot of faith in Bob Shoup, and you should too. And Jim Moorhead told us you know, from the very beginning that's one of the first names on his short list as a defensive coordinator because you know, he, longtime friend of the family. But Shoup says Mississippi State, the expectation doesn't change. We're, you know, the, he said there was a tradition built on defense long before he was here, Mississippi State. But the expectation is for us to play relentless defense, and that's what we're going to do. And after hearing him talk about it, I, you know, I, I have always felt pretty good about the defense. I've been worried, of course, as you guys know, about the defensive tackle depth, lack of inexperience there. But to hear Shoup speak, and again, you will feel better if you go watch that video. Go watch the video, and it gets on Gene's page, and go watch it. But when you watch that video, I think you're going to feel a little bit better about defense. Not that I expected Shoup to get up there and say, you know what, guys, we're going to be terrible. But just to hear him talk about the pieces that he's got and how he kind of sees those guys, you know, kind of playing, uh, it's very reassuring. Now, we also had an opportunity. I spoke directly with Deke Adams. Uh, I'll run that feature probably next week. It was really more about recruiting. Because I asked him, you know, about, you know, number one, being back in Mississippi. You know, Deke is from Meridian. He played at Southern Miss. Uh, had a chance to play against Mississippi State uh, back in 1990. He was a redshirt freshman when Southern Miss came to Mississippi State and lost the ball game. Um, and so we talked a little bit about that. And we talked about selling Mississippi. And one of the things that he was big on, you know, was about playing for your home state. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's a big part of things. You know, when you, he was the guy that did chose to stay in state and, uh, and had a good career and has parlayed that into a great coaching career, uh, still very much engaged with the game that he loves. And uh, has done a good job for Mississippi State as a recruiter. And really has done well out of state as well. But he has done a good job kind of holding these guys in. If you look at the, the, the level of defensive linemen that Mississippi State has been able to sign over the course of the last several years, State has been able to stack classes. That's one of the things, you know, for years and years and years with State is that we'd have, we'd have some guys and they would work and work and work and work and work and take their lumps. And then finally as juniors and seniors – they would be really good, and then they would graduate out, and we would hit the end of a talent cycle and have to rebuild and be absolutely awful. But when you look at what State has done defensively on the defensive front over the last several years, and this goes back to the work David Turner did, uh, you know, a lot of people give Brian Baker a lot of that credit, but listen, to be fair and to be honest, Brian Baker, a great teacher of the game, a great man, not a great recruiter, okay? Did a good job on Fabian Lovett, but he was, I w- he was not what I would say a premium-level recruiter. Tremendous coach, tremendous man. David Turner was kind of the architect in many respects of kind of working the in-state kids to get a great defensive front put together. And you look at that list and begin to think about it, and we've discussed this before on the show. Kobe Jones is a four-star type kid. Marquis Spencer was a four-star type kid. Chauncey Rivers was a guy you know, that everybody in the country wanted at one time. You know, and so you've got some guys, yes, you lost some guys, but you've got some guys behind them that have been patiently waiting their turn. You've got Fabian Lovett was a four-star guy. Nathan Pickering was an All-American. You know, and so State has put one defensive line class on top of another, on top of another, and really there's been a tradition built here. There's an expectation of excellence from the defensive front. And so you've got talent to work with, and we'll kind of see how that all develops, but I just think now that we're 10 days in the camp and the, the coaches have had a chance to really assess things, and Deke and I talked about some of that, is, you know, you know, he didn't show up and have a chance to miss what he never knew. You know, he didn't get to coach Jeff Simmons Montez Sweat. All he knows is this is the hand that he was dealt, and he feels like we've got some real opportunities here. And, again, it's an experience thing, and the schedule kind of lends itself uh, to allowing those young guys to get some game reps and kind of work their way into SEC shape. But, uh, but Deke Adams is, is excited about his group and excited about his ends especially. And uh, he says these young guys at defensive tackle that he thinks all of those guys are going to have a chance you know, to really be really con- solid contributors here in Starkville. Also had an opportunity to spend some time talking with Coach Marcus Johnson. You know, we talked about Elton Jenkins and Deion Calhoun moving on, but that he returned so much experience. What Marcus said, what their their goal is on the offensive front right now is developing chemistry, is because basically everybody on the offensive line is playing somewhere different than they did a year ago. 
Yeah, Tyree Phillips was the third tackle last year. Now he's expected to be the guy at left tackle. You know, Darian Parker was the reserve last year, played some at right guard. You know, Deion Calhoun was kind of the guy most of the time at left guard. Well, now Mike is playing left guard. Darrell Williams moves over from right guard to center. Stuart Reese slides in. And so there's been this musical chairs thing. Greg Allen kicks out the right tackle. And so, yes, they've played, but they're playing different roles. And they're learning to play alongside different players. And so that's been the challenge. The good thing is it's a lot easier to do that with guys that have experience. It would be a little more difficult, you know, if you had guys that were just so young and kind of green. But that's not the case. You've got some guys that, you know, really they've seen how pros operate. And that's one of the things that Marcus says he really instills in his group is, you know, if you want to be a professional, then you need to, to carry yourself like a professional. Always be 15 minutes early to meeting. Come prepared. Ask questions. Uh, facilitate what's asked of you. That, those sort of things. And so he says he feels that all of those guys had an opportunity to watch Elton Jenkins and Deion Calhoun, how they went about their business last year. And it's been a difference maker with this group this year because they understand what pro prospects are supposed to do, how they're supposed to carry themselves, how they're supposed to prepare, how they're supposed to practice. And so, yeah, there is a game of musical chairs going on, but the guys in the chairs are not new to the table. And so I I, I get excited about that group. And, again, we're going to be fine. And I think it took last year. I really think the turning point for the offensive line, and in many respects for Marcus Johnson, is when Kentucky punched us in the mouth. Because we had really much been a dominant team. We'd kind of run over people. We'd kind of been the bullies. And then Kentucky got the better of us. And we didn't. We just really didn't have much of an answer for Josh Allen. And because of the fact that they were running a lot of that unbalanced line stuff, when we did kind of get a tight end over, then they would work the other side. We got, we got out coached. It's as simple as that. We got out coached. They got in our heads. We didn't handle it well. But after that, we kind of figured some things out. That game was a turning point for us. We kind of said, you know what, Here, this guy is not capable of doing this. And so when this happens, we need to do that. And I think everybody got better as a result of that setback because it was a very humiliating experience in Lexington for our for offensive front. And I think our tempers got the better of us on defense, and I think we all saw that. They got in our heads. And that's one of the things, looking back on it, it makes no sense to me. It's like, you know, why would we even engage with those guys in social media and then allow them, because they were a good team. They, they were a veteran team last year. And even though I felt like we should have won the game, uh, they made the plays to win. We didn't. They got in their heads and got us out of our game. They won the ball game. But I think the biggest lesson you learn from all that is your offensive line kind of began to build from there. As we got deeper in the season, we were as good as anybody in the country on the offensive line. Uh, really did a good job blocking. And, you know, and, probably played Alabama as well as anybody on the offensive front, everybody except maybe Clemson. You know, we our guys were able to get up there and compete. And so now most of those guys are back, and so I think that's something you really get fired up about. Spent some time, too, visiting uh, a, little bit, a little bit with uh, Terrell Buckley. Spoke with him briefly. Spoke you know, a little bit with Michael Johnson. Uh, those guys, Chris Marv, you know, kind of in passing. And a lot of times you get a chance while you're there doing your interviews and you're waiting for your next interview person, you can kind of hear what other guys are talking about. These are guys that are good communicators. These coaches are guys that can speak in a language that everybody understands. They can make you understand the nuances of the game. And so, you know, for us that have been around the game for a while, you know, for that are grown men, you know, if they can make us explain, understand this, just imagine what they can do with these kids. This is their livelihood. You know, this is their life. And so that's one of the things, my, one of my biggest takeaways is whether it be Deke or Michael or T-Buck or Chris or, or Coach Shoup, uh, all of those guys are great communicators. And we had an opportunity to have Tony Hughes come to the podium. And Tony says that, you know, the three years away at Jackson State probably made him a better assistant coach because he said now, he, he said before, he said, you know, I thought I was being a good assistant coach, and now that I've been a head coach, I understand now how important it is 
to have great assistance, to have people that have your back, to have people that share your vision. And so I think we're getting the best version of Tony Hughes that there ever has been. I think he has some insight that perhaps he didn't have before. And listen, we all know how valuable he was to Mississippi State. I mean, I don't know if we've ever had an assistant coach uh, that wasn't a coordinator, you know, a true just position coach, um, as important as Tony Hughes. Not just because of, the, of his the quality of his efforts in recruiting, but the quality of, of a person and a guy that understands the teamwork concept. And he's a guy, too, that can be just kind of a mentor for all these young people. Uh, really, really happy to have him back on our staff and have him in, in a position where he can really bring change to the Mississippi State fan base. I mean, and the uh, football family, if you know what I mean. It's like he, he, he you, he's a guy you want on your side. Uh, he also was blessed with a very, very talented tight end group. And he mentioned he hadn't had a chance to coach offense uh, in a long time, but he is a football coach. And he's a guy that's done it all. When he was at Ole Miss, he coached some tight ends. He went over and coached safety. So he's moved around. It's not new to him. But uh, I think Tony's going to look like a really, really good position coach this year, not just because he is, but because of the fact that he is blessed with probably some of the best playmakers we have had at that position the last decade or so. You know, I mean, Marcus Green was a guy that I was a big fan of. And Marcus battled groin injuries pretty much his entire career here at Mississippi State. But Marcus was a guy that was an explosive guy early in the Dan Mullen era. And this is this is the athleticism I think we're getting back to. You know, uh, Malcolm Johnson was a guy that was a bit of a freak of an athlete, didn't have great size, had great hands, great physicality. I think we're getting that, but we're also getting some size. You're getting guys like Jaquarius Spivey, and I thought what well, a great point that Tony made is that every one of our tight ends played receiver in high school. That's incredible, and that's a point that I had not thought about. Dante Jones, if you recall, was considered by many the top wide receiver in the state of Mississippi his senior year. And he goes to prep school, and he, and he kind of fills in out his frame, and he becomes a tight end. Even played some on the defensive line there at Jehovah Jireh. Uh, Jaquarius Bobby was the top receiver on his high school team. Brad Cumbus, I think, was the only receiver on his high school team because they basically ran it every play. But all these guys, a little more advanced as pass catchers. You know, it's like when we recruited Farad Green, he kept telling everybody he was a receiver, but, you know, he, he was a tight end. He wanted to be recruited as a receiver, but he wasn't. He was a tight end. But every one of those guys understands what it's like to have to go compete for a ball, to high point the football, to really compete and to, to demonstrate some ball skills. And now they're all playing tight end. So we have a blend of athleticism up and down that depth chart, perhaps that we've never had before. We've had some guys in the past that have kind of been an extra tackle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're pass catchers, but by and large they're just in an extra tackle. You know, a guy that's supposed to get out there and kind of help us. You know, like I think of Darian Hutcherson, and man, my goodness, if we had been able to redshirt him a year, because that second year we had him, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, probably should have had a pro football future ahead of him. But uh, it's one of those things, man, that uh, he was a guy that really matured later in his career, but he was really more in that same vein. He, he wasn't a guy that was a tremendous pass catcher early in his career. That's where I think these other guys, they show up with an expectation to catch the football. It's not just about blocking. And sometimes you got to teach them that, that aspect of it. And Justin Johnson was a guy that, that had that same attribute as a guy who was a great pass catcher in high school. And so that is, I think, is the central point of things, that we bring a special blend of athleticism at the tight end position. Now, when I begin to think about what's next for Mississippi State, you know, we, we had the scrimmage on Saturday. We'll hear from Jim Moorhead today. There's, there's been some, you know, some chatter that uh, the quarterback competition, that Keaton had a really good day, that both guys had a good day, Keaton might have had a better day. And so we'll ask Jim Moorhead today what he thinks about that and what his observations were, and I'm sure he'll be somewhat guarded with all of that. But I'm eager to hear what the players have to say. And listen, they'll be coached. Go ahead and understand that. There are going to be some things that they're not going to say. They're not going to tip the hand. You're not going to have them go in there and be on a different page as your, as your coach. You're not going to have the coach go in there and say, hey, it was even, and then have one of the other guys oh, say, oh, yeah, this guy was way ahead. Uh, and, and that's, again, one of those things that um, you kind of got to deal with. You got to be able to cut through that as, a, as an interviewer and understand right out of the gate there are going to be some talking points that are going to be presented by the university just because of the fact they're not going to let us get too deep into that sort of stuff, especially while this competition is still ongoing, because anything that gets in the media is going to get back to the team. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be DMing somebody, hey, did you hear what they said about you? And, 
you know, your coach said this and you said this and so they're going to avoid that at all costs but uh, again the video of the weekend and we try to have free video for you guys every day during football camps we, we, we want we want you guys we, we want to be your men on the scene and so we're trying to get as much video as we can for you guys so you, and, and we really hadn't done a whole lot of that before uh, we've done some of it but we're trying to do some of that stuff every single day to kind of take you inside practice once you see some of the things that we see because you know, that's what you're paying for. And we make a lot of this stuff free just because, you know, you guys are excited about football. We want you to be excited about football. We also want you to feel like it's you've got, you know, maybe the opportunity to view some things you can't see elsewhere. And so I encourage you to come on by there. Become a member at jeanspage.com. We are the 247 Sports uh, affiliate with CBS Interactive from Mississippi State. And uh, nobody's going to cover the Bulldogs like we do. And, and, again, I'm not throwing shade at anybody. You can go watch some Twitter videos from an iPhone from – you know, you know, 50 feet away or whatever. Uh, you know, we've got you know high resolution cameras and that sort of stuff. We're going to give you better quality video. We're we're going to give you more. You can watch it at your desktop. You can watch it on your tablet. You can watch it on your phone. The quality of our video is simply going to be better than what you're going to get elsewhere. So we're going to be back on Wednesday and uh, kind of recap what we've learned, what we saw in practice, and, and it's uh you know this is this is when things kind of begin to we begin to kind of see the. Uh, the pecking order somewhat established as we get a little bit close. There'll be some guys now that begin to step forward, and and we had some newcomers that have kind of done some good things. But now they've had that scrimmage, they'll you know watch that film and have a chance to evaluate those guys and see where they are. And there are a lot of guys that look good in drills that don't look so good on game day, and there are other guys too. You, you know as well as I do that they're just gamers. Maybe they don't look as good in drills, but when the lights come on and the band starts playing, they step up and, and, and play a good game. And you know what? You know one of the guys that does that for us is Keaton Thompson. Keaton Thompson is a guy that, listen, completion percentage wasn't great last year. He'll be the first to admit that. He's got to be better at that. But the kid's a gamer. This is a guy that he plays his best when the game is on the line. He plays his best uh, you know, when he's out there when the lights are on. And so, you know, it's not a surprise to me to hear that he had a good scrimmage. And so I'm eager to hear what Joe Moorhead thinks, and uh, we'll share that with you. Again, we'll have video of that uh, later today on Gene's page. You can watch every bit of that. And so, again, back on Wednesday, kind of recap where we stand, and uh, we'll have some other things planned for you later in the week, some other things that we'll talk about. But that's going to do it for today. Hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful week as we edge closer to, to college football. You know, a week from Saturday, we're going to see Miami and Florida play. That's going to be really, really awesome. Excited for college football season to be here, but really excited about Mississippi State football. Eager to see you all in the Louisiana Superdome as the Bulldogs take on uh, the University of Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.